<laughs> but anyway, I'll take it. It's great to be here again. You know, when we gather together, it's not about us. It's about God. That's why I almost always start with this song, Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God forever. That's what it's all about, right? Not me or you. It's about God.
Now this next one, you're going to have to wait for an explanation. It'll make sense while I'm playing it in a second. I know you got to be wondering, dude, what's up with the Christmas music? It's like September. But you know what? We're supposed to be a people of joy, right? And that song sums up for me. It says, joy to the world, what? The Lord is coming. We should be excited about that. We should be people with smiles on our faces and a little bit of a bounce in our step. And that's one reason I picked it. And I also picked it because, you know, I've been in southern Florida for a while, and it's been, you know, over 100 degrees and at least 12,000% humidity all the time. And when I walked out of the hotel and it was 54 degrees, I was like, it's Christmas time. It felt so good. <laughs> so it's just, uh, just such a joy and honor to be with you. And I like playing that song. I, get, you know, I have some fun with it. Um, but almost without fail after service, somebody will stop me and say, you know, David, that fast part's kind of cool, but you're not really playing that, are you? And I'll be like, well, yeah, I am. And they'll say, no, you're not, because it sounds like two flutes at the same time, and that's not possible. And I say, well, apparently it is, because I just did it. 
And they say, no, it's not. And I say, yes, it is. And after a few moments of arguing, more times than I can count, I've had to pick up my flute after the service and prove to people that it is me playing both parts at the same time. So I know you've got chairs to tear down and stuff after the service, so I thought I'd just save myself a little time and go ahead and show, show right now, once and for all, that it is me playing both parts at the same time without any background music. You know, Brian, I need a commitment from you. Raise your right hand. So I solemnly swear I'm not about to play any kind of track right now. No, I'm just kidding. Your other right hand. No, he did have his right hand up. <laughs> he did. He had the right hand up. I'm just kidding. Okay, so I'm going to play this without any background music or any track. I'm going to try to. We'll see how it goes. Maybe I'm a fraud. I don't know. I, oh, thank you very much. But I can see a couple of looks of people going, eh, I don't know if that was the exact same thing. <laughs> well, you're right. So uh, I guess I have to play it a little faster. Here we go. Now, you may have noticed, you may have noticed, but a a few months ago, a pastor friend of mine, I played this for him, and he said, David, did you know that when you play that fast part, your eyebrows go up and down in time to the music? And I was like, I did not know that, but how kind of you to point it out. So I'm going to try really hard to play this faster, but without moving my eyebrows. Now, it may be like people who talk with their hands, you know, people who talk with their hands, if you want them to be quiet, what do you do? Give them something to hold, right? <laughs> they can't say anything anymore. So it's maybe the same situation, but we're going to give it a shot here. Are you looking at my eyebrows right now? <laughs> I could feel it. I can't help it. They're not moving at all. Thank you very much. Um, I want to play a song for you. It's actually the, the first song I ever wrote. And, you know, last time I was here, I shared, you know, a lot of our story and testimony about what we'd been through in 2016, how God was faithful. And, you know, all of that as I continue to still process through that. And as a family, you know, we still feel some ripple effects from all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it always leads me back to worship. And that it's a reminder to me that it's really easy to worship God when everything's exactly how you like it. 
Right? The real test of character is giving glory and honor to God when life isn't perfect. And it's funny because this first song I wrote, which I wrote a long time ago, but it's based on a passage in Samuel, 2 Samuel, I think like the 24th chapter maybe, I can't recall exactly. But it's the story of David and the child that he had by Bathsheba. And if you remember this, uh, according to the prophecy of Nathan, this child became sick, became ill. David, like any normal parent you would think, went before the Lord in fasting and prayer. It says that he fasted and prayed all night long. In fact, it leads us to believe that he fasted and prayed for several days and nights. But despite all that effort, that child still passed away. Do you remember the story? Because the, the two guys were over there and they're, trying, they're like, you tell him. And I'm like, oh man, you tell him. I'm not telling him. And David realizes that he looks over and he says, you know, he's gone, right? And they say, yeah. Here's the amazing part of the story. David immediately cleaned himself up. He went into the temple and he worshiped the Lord. Man, you know the struggles I've had with my daughter and her health, right, and her heart issues and that kind of stuff, which a lot of those symptoms are returning. So please keep her in your prayers. But I think to myself, man, if something were to happen to that awesome little girl that I love so much, would my first instinct be to clean myself up and go into the temple and worship the Lord? You know, see, David set an example for us. David who blew it in so many ways. You know, we could, we could make a list of all the ways that David messed up and did things the wrong way and was self-serving and all that kind of stuff. But here's one of those moments where he did it exactly right, man, because there's something about standing in the presence of God who is so much greater, so much bigger, understands so much more, can look at the scope of eternity in a glance. There's something about acknowledging that kind of person, that kind of God, that all of a sudden it brings everything we're going through back down into perspective. It doesn't diminish it. It doesn't mean we don't hurt or we don't cry. But it means we surrender it to one who is so much greater than you and I. And man, that's worship. I wrote this song, like I said, a long time ago because I wanted to demonstrate through the music what I saw going on inside of David. Uh, this concern over his son who was sick. Um, the unimaginable grief he must have felt when that child passed away but yet how all of that somehow was, um, was healed, was touched, when he simply took the steps to clean himself up and to go into the temple and worship the Lord. This song is called, And Yet He Worshipped.
and you know we make worship way too hard holy 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 is the lord god almighty who was and is and is to come with all of creation i sing praise to the king of kings because you are my everything now will adore you worship is just saying to god holy 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 you are holy the words will be on the screen you know the song man sing with me as we honor god
no sound more beautiful than God's people singing holy, holy, holy. Amen and amen. Romans 12.2. Go ahead and show that next slide if you would, Brian. Romans 12.2 says, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person, new creation, by changing the way you think. Now, I don't know about you, but back in the day before there were like 19 different translations, I memorized it this way. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Sounds a little more familiar to some of us. <laughs> but I love the premise of this verse because it's a reminder to me that when we come to Christ, everything changes. In other words, we're called to be different. Excuse me. We are called to be different. In fact, I would say... We have no choice but to be different. I mean, because if you look at what the scriptures teach us, and if you read anything about holiness, what the church of God stands for so clearly, is that, man, we're called to be different. In fact, in 2 Corinthians it says that if anyone is in Christ, they are what? A new creation. And then it says, you know, a couple of things change, and a couple of things have passed away, and a couple of things... No. It says everything old is gone. Everything has become new. We are a new creation creation in Christ. In other words, we've got to be different. There's no way around it. And I think it's by being different that we really make a difference. Now, my particular paraphrase of that verse is this. Go ahead, Brian. Don't be generic. What you know, that's kind of the theme of our ministry. Don't be, you know, generic means, you know, average, not different from everything else. Just like everything else. Man, if there's anything we're not supposed to be as generic, man, we're called to be different. So this is why the theme of of what I do and kind of the overarching umbrella of our ministry is, man, don't be generic. Don't be run-of-the-mill. Don't be average. Don't be like everyone or everything else. But be that unique thing that God created you to be. And it's okay to be different from the world because it's by being different that we really can make a difference. Now, I spent a couple of years in northeast L.A. uh, helping restart a church as their pastor. And I spent... uh, Significant amount of time there, loved the ministry there and helping the church kind of come back to life. And as part of my time there, uh, I coached my daughter's eight-year-old soccer team. Okay, and this one particular Saturday, we were playing a game and we were losing three goals to zero at halftime. And the other coach was loving it. He was so obnoxious. He was saying things like, your girls stink. You guys are terrible. Why would you even get out of bed this morning? You should have just stayed home. That's a grown man talking to little girls. So I bring in the team at halftime, and I'm giving them my best speech. I'm like, come on, girls, you can do this. You can play better than you really are. You have to just work together and work as a team, and you can do this. Now, I want you to go out there and win this one for the Gipper. One of the little girls says, what's a Gipper? (laughs) Some of you are like, what's a Gipper? Google it later. And so I was like, you know, you can do this. So we go out in the second half. We scored five straight goals. We beat that team five to three, and that felt good. Okay, and I wanted to look at that other coach and say, in your face, man, take that. How come you're not saying anything now? Why is it so quiet over there? That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> but we're called to be what? Different. So after the game, I was like, you know what? Good game, coach. Your girls played a really good game today. And one of the, our team moms was like, what is wrong with you? Do you not know what he did? He embarrassed our girls. He gave them such a hard time. He gave you such a hard time. And you came back and gave him a taste of his own medicine. Why didn't you make him pay? And I said, well, let me tell you about a time when I didn't get what I deserved. And it was an open door, wide open door, to talk about mercy and grace and forgiveness. 
And so many of the things that we so often take for granted. Remember what it says in Romans 5.8? That God demonstrates his love toward us and that we were still what? Sinners. Enemies of God. He died for us. See, man, we, we forget about that and how that translates into how that can open a door for other people. And it was, uh, it was just a beautiful opportunity to share with her about, man, why we're called to be different. See, if we act like everyone else, if we think like everyone else, if we, if we do like everyone else, then when does that moment ever come where somebody goes, man, there's something different about that guy. Man, there's something different about that young lady. Man, we're called to be different. Now, you guys know I travel a lot. Every weekend I'm somewhere in multiple places. I travel all across the country. And, you know, I have a lot of time on my hands. Um, a lot of times, you know, I have several hours to fill between services. I have got nothing to do. So sometimes I'll go someplace like Walmart and just sit there and watch people. I know that's so sad. But I enjoy watching people. And I remember this one particular Sunday, I'm sitting there and I'm watching this lady behind the layaway counter at Walmart. Man, she is all kinds of grumpy. She's like, no, you can't return it. You don't got a receipt. Get out of here. You know, I was like, whoa. So I finally went over to her and I said, how are you doing today, ma'am? Not too good. Figured that out. Um, what's wrong? She said, I hate working Sundays. And I said, you hate working Sundays? Why? And I expected, well, because I miss church. I can't be with my family. I miss Sunday lunch. All these reasons. And that's not what she said at all. She said, I hate working Sunday. And I said, why? She said, because that's when all the church people come in. They're mean and they're nasty. And I was like, ah. <laughs> and I found myself quickly apologizing for anyone she'd ever met. Now, God has to kind of pound me a couple of times to make sure I get the point. Just a few weeks later, I was sitting at a restaurant, sitting there by myself, just kind of wasting time, you know, waiting for Sunday night to roll around. And uh, the waitress, <laughs> the server that was uh, serving kind of our area was the same way, grumpy, hateful, kind of just rude. And I thought, man, what is her deal? So finally I said to her, how are you doing today? Not too good. Again, I picked up on that one. What's wrong? She said, I hate working Sundays. And I said, you hate working Sundays? Why? And she said, because that's when all the church people come in. They're mean and they're nasty and they're cheap. <laughs> now, we laugh at that, right? But doesn't part of it just hurt you down deep in your soul? That that's how people see us? It hurts me to my core. That when people look at Christians, and again, look, you and I both know that's not always fair, right? Because Just because somebody's wearing a suit and walks into a Walmart on Sunday or each restaurant doesn't mean they're a Christian. Really, just because they come to church doesn't mean they're a Christian and have made Jesus Christ Lord of their life. So putting all that aside, doesn't it just hurt you to your core that that's how people see us sometimes? Instead of saying, man, I love, it when, I love working Sundays because that's when the Christians come in. Man, they are so nice and patient and polite and kind. They will bend over backwards to make sure they're not giving me a hard time. Man, we're called to be different. We're going to have all these opportunities where we can impact people with who we are as Christians. And it's up to us, really, what kind of impact we're going to make. Is it going to be a, a positive one or a negative one? You know, back when I was a, an associate pastor, a long time ago in Greenville, Tennessee, my son was little. And the church there had a riding lawnmower that was a death trap. It clanged and banged and smoked. And if you popped the clutch too fast, it'd pop a wheelie and throw you right off the back of it. I mean, this thing had no business being ridden. Well, they finally got a new one and they tried to sell it. Nobody would buy it because it was such a piece of junk. Finally, they were going to throw it away and I was a broke youth pastor. I said, man, I'll take it. So they gave me this lawnmower and it didn't take me long to realize that the blades were all mangled like a pretzel. 
I was really young. I had no idea how to change the blades on a riding lawnmower, so I did what made sense to me. I backed it up against a tree. I lifted the front wheels up so it's on its back wheels, and I tied rope around the tree and around the tractor so it wouldn't fall over on me, and so that way I could just you know, loosen the blade. I was really proud until I started smelling gasoline. You know, the gasoline was pouring out the back of it. had a nice big brown spot for quite a while after that. But the point is, my son, who was really little at the time, walks up and says, Hey, Daddy, can I help? Now think of this. No matter how I answer him, I'm going to make a difference in his life. What if he walks up and says, Hey, Daddy, I, can I help? And I ignore him. Hey, Daddy, can I help? You know how kids get, then I'll be like, Daddy, can you hear me? If I continue to ignore him, he's going to get the point and he's going to walk away. I've impacted his life. What if he walks up and he says, hey, Daddy, can I help? And I was like, man, would you go away? You're like three years old. You can't do anything. Just go away. You're bothering me. I've impacted his life. Right? I've made a difference. Very negative, but I've made a difference. What if he walks up and says, hey, Daddy, can I help? And I say, sure, son, man. Let me show you how to do this so that one day you can do it much better than I can. Remember, it's very important to always empty the gas, can, gas tank before you tie your lawnmower to a tree. <laughs> you know? I've, I've made a difference in his life. Man, we're going to have all of these moments, and, and we take them so for granted, most of the time we don't even see them coming, but we can make a tremendous difference in the world. One more story. My, uh, again, it's about my son. Um, for Christmas one year, when he was little, we got him one of those little $50 sets of golf clubs. And he was just itching to go outside and start hitting golf balls. And I was like, no, 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 you can't. No. My wife was like, let him go, it's Christmas. I was like, fine. He goes out in the backyard. He hadn't been outside five minutes. He came running back in. And he was like, Dad, you're not going to believe what I just did. I was like, man, you hit a golf ball right through our neighbor's window, didn't you? How did you know? I was like... I just know stuff, man. So we, we go outside, and he's crying. He's really upset. I mean, he's really little. He's, you know, he probably thinks he's going to get killed or something. He's, he's really upset. He's crying. I'm looking at the window way over there that's broken, and I'm trying to figure out what to say. And I just feel in my spirit that this day my words are going to carry a lot of weight, so I'm trying to be really, really careful. Now, look, let me just stop there and say I'm not the perfect dad. I'm not trying to pretend like I'm the perfect dad. I've lost my temper. I've had to go to my kids more times than I can count and apologize and, and say I'm sorry and all that kind of stuff. But that day, I feel like that day I got it right. My son's crying. He's really upset. I'm looking at the window way over there that's broken. I'm trying to figure out what to say. And this is all I can come up with. I was like, what a great shot. Look how far you hit the ball. And it's like your first day. And he's looking at me like my head just fell off my shoulders. And then we kind of laughed about it, and we talked about it, and then I said to him, I was like, Sam, we got to go make this right. I know, Dad. I mean, we have to go say we're sorry to these ladies. He was like, I know. And I said, you know, we have to offer to pay for the window. I know, Dad. And we, it's one of my favorite memories. We're walking across the yard, and I've got my arm around his shoulder. We're kind of joking to ourselves about which one of the two ladies that lived there that were kind of cranky. Maybe we're sitting in the chair right by the window when the ball came through the window. We thought that would be funny. <laughs> Apparently you don't. Don't judge me. Um, <laughs> and it was just one of my favorite memories. Now, like, I didn't say anything to him about unconditional love or mercy or grace or forgiveness, especially when it comes to God. But don't we say all the time, God loves you like a father? 
Right? So does he connect the dots? Man, my dad understands I'm not perfect. My dad understands I'm going to make mistakes. And when I do, he expects me to own up to it and make it right. But my dad understands I'm not perfect. And you know what? He still loves me anyway. Man, that is the unconditional love of God wrapped up in a nutshell. See, because, you know, some people will say, but, you know, there's unfortunately been so many who haven't had a good father experience or haven't had a father at all involved in their life. Or, and when, they, when you tell them, man, God loves you like your father, they'll go, I want no part of that, man. I know what I experienced with my real dad or not having a dad at all. What we can say to them is, man, he'll be the perfect dad you always wished you had. And it's so important that we communicate the mercy and the grace and the, the just amazing love of God. We can be different. We can make a difference. Man, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort. State pastor in Florida was talking to him, and he was having a conversation with his daughter who was in college. And they were working through God's will and trying to figure it out. And finally, in a moment of frustration, she said to him, Dad, I just can't hear God like you do. And he said, that's not true. You don't work at it like I do. Man, he spends time, so much time with God, praying and studying and trying to figure out God's will. Man, we can make a difference. It's up to us what kind of difference we're going to make. And it really starts with a choice, I think. And that's why I chose to play this next song. It's one of my songs. It's one of my favorite hymns. And I'm sure most of you probably know it. If you don't, it's just, I hope it will speak to you. But it simply says, I'd rather have Jesus. Man, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than wealth or fame. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world has to offer. And is that the cry of your heart here this morning? Man, if not, man, today's a great day to surrender. And say, man, I've been playing games. It's a great day to go. I just feel like there's stuff I haven't surrendered. Because it's easy, easier to make Jesus Savior. And the really hard part is going, now you're Lord of my life. Everything... I do, I do to honor you, to bring glory to you, to make a difference for you. Man, that process of I want to be a new creation in Christ. And whatever your need is, this is an opportunity for you. I don't know how you do it, so I'm just going to do it my way. But as I play this song, it's an opportunity for you to respond. If you want to come and pray and be left alone, why don't you come over here to my right? Nobody bother you, nobody will talk to you. You can just come, kneel, pray, give glory to God, you know, ask God's forgiveness, whatever your need might be, you can come right here to my right. If you want somebody to pray with you, I'm sure you have prayer counselors ready. Why don't you come over here to my left? And if you kneel, somebody will come and pray with you. And just love on you. Look, you, if you've never accepted Christ and you want to, this has got to be one of the safest places to do it. I mean, we're here worshiping and honoring Him. Nobody cares what anybody else thinks. I've gone to the altar more times than I can count in my lifetime. Desperate to know God. Desperate to, to have a closer relationship with God. Man, it's cool. It's what it's all about. But whatever you need is, as I play this song, it's an opportunity for you to respond. I'm not going to have you stand because it's kind of a long song, but just stand up and walk down, man. This is a safe place. If you want to be left alone, come to my right. If you want somebody to pray with you, come to my left. This is I'd rather have Jesus.
Father in heaven, I thank you so much for you know, what your word teaches us about loving others and what your word teaches us about making a difference in this world. And Father, I just pray that you would stir within each and every single one of us, man, who were in the name of Christ, Lord, to, to really just fall down on our knees and our face before you, Father, and ask for you to work a transformative work in our life, God, so that in our situations, our circumstances, however mundane encounters they might be with others, Father, that we would represent you well. Father, that we would just you know, shine a light on what a new life can look like, that we would just shine a light on the you know, new, newfound purpose in this life, God, that we could just shine a light on what it is to have experienced mercy and grace and forgiveness. And Father, I just pray that every person in this room would just know your love on a newer and a deeper level, Father, in just a fresh new way today, Father. I pray that you would just stir within us, man, a new desire to see people's lives changed and transformed. And again, Father, help us to be different, to represent you well. Man, may you find us faithful in everything we say and we do. Father, may you find us faithful even down to the very thoughts that we have. And again, we'll give you the glory and the honor because you and you alone deserve it. We pray these things in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we all agree together by saying, Amen and Amen. You know, before I turn it back over, uh, I just want to remind you again what I'm all about. I know you're familiar with this, but I thought I'd show it one more time about what we do as a ministry to make a difference. Go ahead. I'm standing at an elevation of almost 12,000 feet here in the heart of the mountains of Ecuador. And on this trip, like so many others, the first thing that strikes me is the extreme poverty that so many children and families face. And even more than that, the depth of the despair that they feel because of that poverty. I just want you to know that in the middle of that, that there is kindness and there is hope. Yesterday, I got to visit my sponsored child, Louisa. And I also got to meet and visit with her mom. We had lunch together. And after lunch, Louisa, who doesn't get chocolate cake a whole lot, took three pieces of chocolate cake and put them on a plate and just kind of held them like, okay, this is my cake. We left there and we went to visit another mom. A very young mom who had a two-year-old daughter. And in that house also lived her grandmother. Three women who shared a very small two-room house. No furniture, no floors, one small bed that the three had to share. Now as we saw all of this, Luisa and her mom watched it. They saw the poverty, which was even deeper and greater than their own. And I watched how it touched their heart. And Luisa's mom kind of nudged Luisa a little bit. And Luisa took her chocolate cake and went to all the neighborhood kids who kind of gathered around and started pinching off pieces and giving them to them. A, a girl who didn't have very much gave what she had to show kindness and at least to bring a smile to a child for at least for that moment. It was a beautiful moment to watch, a beautiful moment to experience. If I could sum it up in two words, it would be that. Kindness and hope. They show the kindness by taking care of the basic necessities of that child or that family. But more than that, they provide hope. Hope of a better life because all of a sudden a child can go to school instead of having to go fetch water. Hope of, of a better life because all of a sudden there maybe is a future instead of just trying to survive today. And most importantly, the hope that's found in the message of Jesus Christ. Because every single child gets that. I've been sponsoring kids for over 20 years. Currently, we sponsor five. Child sponsorship has been a part of my ministry for over 10 years. And I realized through what I experienced today that I just may have had it all wrong. 
See, I've always thought that it was most important to try and meet their physical needs, to, to provide food and clothing and shelter and all of those things. And I realize today that I've had it backwards. You see, what's most important really is the relationship with the child. Today's sponsored child told me that if his sponsor was standing in front of him and if he could ask him anything, he would ask him this. What was it that you saw in my face? What was it that you saw in my picture that made you pick me? You have an opportunity today to look at a picture and to make a choice. A choice to start a relationship with a child. You know, this is uh, why I do what I do. I'm on the road a lot. You know, I grew up on the mission field in Costa Rica, Argentina, and Puerto Rico. You know, I've been to numerous places, uh, you know, Honduras, uh, Uganda, Ecuador, that kind of stuff. I've seen all this firsthand, and Compassion does such an amazing job to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. Uh, on that trip, one of the things that really struck me is how many families wouldn't sign their kids up for Compassion's help, even though they were desperate and didn't have enough food and all that kind of stuff. And I started talking to some of the people, asking, I was like, man, it's right here. Why won't they sign up you know, to have their child maybe sponsored? And the answer they, they gave me really struck me because most of the, a lot of those parents didn't believe people like us really existed. Because they were like, why would somebody way over there want to do anything to help me and my children? Which is really interesting because, really ironic, I guess, because so many of the times after so many services, people will stop me at the table and go, okay, are these kids real? <laughs> yeah. And it's funny to kind of hear it from both sides, man, but it's just an easy way to make a difference. Your sponsorship, as you know, and I know many of you sponsor, but food, clothing, shelter, emergency medical si- supplies, all school supplies they need. You can write letters back and forth and really get to know them, encourage them in their faith. There's no contract. You just do it as long as you're willing and able to do it. Man, it's a way that we can be the hands and the feet of Christ and truly change people's lives. Last year alone, through Compassion's efforts, 250,000 people, I think it was, came to know Christ. That's a quarter of a million new brothers and sisters in Christ. That's on top of all the good that they do, you know, helping and feeding and doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, they just do amazing work. As always, as a thank you from me, if you sponsor one of the kids I have today, you can have a, a Don't Be Generic shirt or one of our Keep the Faith shirts. You can have whichever CD you'd like as a gift, as a thank you from me uh, for being willing to change your life. Man, no poverty like this can seem overwhelming. Man, you and I working together one child at a time, we can make a difference. Uh, last year, I think 1.3 million children were sponsored by people just like you and me that picked up a picture phone and go, yep, that's the kid I want to sponsor. You know, as a reminder, you're the only person, or if a, like a class or a youth group or something, you'll be the only people sponsoring that child so you can really develop a relationship. It's what I'm all about, man, releasing children from poverty in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here again. It's been a pleasure as always. And know that as I thank of you, I pray for God's richest blessings for you. May God bless you. Thank you so very, very much. Thank you. Thank you. What a blessing to have him here today. Thank you for sharing your your flute, your life, and your compassion. What a blessing. What more can I say? I'd like to call the ushers forward. Uh, like we mentioned, we are going to take an offering for, for uh, Brother David. So if you come forward, we'll do that now. Also, I'd like to remind you that he will be in the narthex at his table. He has CDs. Uh, you can sign up for the Compassion uh, 
for the children. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for your love. Jesus, you are all we need. Lord, bless this offering. Use it as you see fit. Multiply it. Lord, thank you for your your mercy, your love. We want to honor you in this offering. In your name we pray. Amen. If you take your hymnals and turn to page 123, 123. 